Super Talk Mississippi media production. Opponent preview time here on the Welcome Home Beef Hotline, and we're going to have to give respect to the Alabama Crimson Tide. Brett Hudson of the Tuscaloosa News, our former colleague here in Starkville, has joined us. Brett, Alabama going to be any good this year? Uh, you know, they seem to be okay at this whole football thing. They, they, seem to, they seem to have a formula. It turns out when, when you acquire the best players, you tend to have the best team. So that, that seems to be how it works for Alabama, and they, they keep doing that. So I think it's going to work out okay for them. Bold strategy, Cotton. We'll see if it pays off. When, yeah. I, when I look at these opponent previews and I look ahead to Mississippi State and, and, and who they're playing, the first question that pops into my mind obviously is going to have to be, how are these teams in the secondary? So that's the, my first question to you. What is Alabama like in the, in the defensive backfield? Uh, that's probably the biggest question this, this team has to solve. I mean, I know people are going to point to the quarterback battle or quote-unquote battle with Mac Jones and, and Bryce Young, the five-star coming in from – from California, but if you kind of push the quarterback position aside, the secondary is probably the biggest question they have to answer at this point. They they lost Xavier McKinney to the NFL draft. They lost Jared Maiden and Shaheen Carter to undrafted free agent deal. So they lost all three of their starting safeties. Now they they also lost a corner, Trayvon Diggs, to the NFL draft to the Dallas Cowboys. So you're losing four of your five starters in the secondary. Now the one you return. It's Patrick Sertain, the second at corner, who is just awesome, going to be one of the, the better corners in the nation in 2020. But what you do around that is, is going to be it's, – it's definitely the biggest question they have to, to answer for sure. They don't really have a ton of experience at any of the positions they have to fill, which is why they went the JUCO route and got Ronald Williams Jr. out of, a, out of a Kansas junior college, if I'm not mistaken. He'll probably have a – significant role, whether it be outside corner or slot corner, remains to be seen. They have Jordan Battle, a, a safety who they've groomed to, to take a bigger role. He was someone who played in dime packages last year. He's, he's the name you'll see. Uh, Daniel Wright will probably be back there at, at safety as well. But, but again, there's a lot of unproven names back there. So if you're going with the standard five defensive back backfield that Alabama's uh, kind of lived in for the last few years, five or six. Patrick Sertan the second is going to be the only name that your somewhat invested college football consumer is going to recognize. From here, everyone else is going to be pretty fresh and new. So if you're if you're going to attack Alabama's defense this year, the secondary is probably the the place you would want to do it, which is atypical for a Nick Saban team. But that's just what the the personnel is this year. So then what's in front of them? I know defensively on the front four, a lot of talent there. And, of course, Dylan Moses coming back is a big boost to the linebacking core. Well, yeah, the, the entire defense is kind of changing over from last year to this year. Last year they had some weaknesses up front, but they were they were really good on, in the secondary. And, and this year they're, they're going to have some issues in the secondary or at least some unknown names, but they're going to benefit from experience in the – in the front, especially the linebacker core, they really suffered last year when Dylan Moses and Joshua McMillan both had season-ending knee injuries in the preseason. They're both back now. Dylan Moses, um, in my opinion and the opinion of many others, is one of the best linebackers in, in college football. He's back in the fold and should should ball out in, in 2020. 
last year they played a lot of young guys on the defensive line, a lot of freshmen, and were in that rotation. So they should benefit from some experience there. Some, some names to know would be Justin Aboise, Byron Young, and Christian Barmore is someone who provides some interior pass rush that Alabama's really excited about. Fedarian Mathis is, is another name to know there. So the defensive line should benefit from having some youth kind of progress and gain some experience from from last year. The, the big question up front is the outside pass rush. They lost both of their starting outside linebackers from last year, Anthony Jennings and Terrell Lewis, both got drafted. Now you have to replace those guys, and they signed a ton of really, really good freshmen, edge defender types that could be immediate impact pass rushers. Uh, Chris Braswell, Will Anderson Jr., Drew Sanders, Q Robinson, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on. They really loaded up at that kind of edge defender pass rusher type in the 2020 recruiting class. So if they're going to rush the passer in 2020, they're probably going to have to rely on some freshmen to, to do it. But inside and behind the linebacker, it should be improved from, from last year when Alabama fans were kind of upset with that defense last year when you had to replace your linebackers with two freshmen at, at your uh, inside linebacker position. They kind of suffered and ended up in the like 30s range of yards per play allowed last year. So they're, they're kind of hoping to get an increase in, in that regard. And then on the other side of the ball, I feel like it's a, a Trevor Lawrence, Kelly Bryant kind of situation here for Alabama. I, I think that Bryce Young's going to be the guy whenever midseason comes, whenever the decision to make a, a red shirt uh, or not comes. I think he's going to be the guy. Do you feel the same, or is this Mac Jones' team after all? Uh, I think it's possible. I mean, that's something that's difficult to forecast with Saban now because he always favored experience. Um, in any of these position battles like this, but pretty much the entire career arc that Tua Tungabaloa had at Alabama kind of changed that narrative, right? Now he's willing to go with young talent over experience when the young talent is is just that dynamic as as Tua was compared to to Jalen Hurts in their Alabama career. So, Mac Jones, he did more than people give him credit for in in his spot starts and, and other duties as Tua's backup. Last year, uh, he looked pretty good at times, and he's got the arm talent. Yes, he made a couple of, of poor throws in the Iron Bowl that proved pretty costly, but there were also other issues in that game, too. It's not like Mac Jones lost in the Iron Bowl last year. I'm, I'm firmly of the belief that it's Mac Jones's team for at least the first four games, like you mentioned, and at that point, it's more of Mac's job to lose than it is Bryce's job to come and take. Uh, no matter what preseason practice looks like in, in this strange time that we're in, I don't know that there's much that Bryce can do to come in and straight up take the job away from Mac. I think it's going to be Mac, and it's on Mac to lose it more than it is for Bryce to take. Who's your co-pilot there? Uh, Emma. Hello, Emma. It's Uncle Hey Dad. <laughs> Uncle Joel here, too. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we, I, I wasn't sure which one it was. Hello, Emma. Wel- <laughs> welcome, welcome to the uh, Thunder and Lightning podcast. <laughs> All right, Brett, got got you. Uh, it's a hard question, but it's an easy question. It's an easy question to ask. I don't know if it's an easy question to answer. I give you uh, the option: you could have Kylan Hill on this Alabama roster or Najee Harris. Which, which? I guess I'm asking you, who has the better back? <laughs> Ooh, 
Ooh, that's good. Um, mm. What would y'all say Kylan has proven as a receiver to, to date since I wasn't around for, for last season? How, what would you say he's proven as a receiver? Not a whole lot, uh, yeah. but he's going to have to prove it pretty quick this year for Mississippi State. Yeah, I, I would say on the college level, he hadn't done a, a ton in the receiving game, though. You know, in high school, he did line up in the slot some and things. So I think he's capable, but he hadn't really proven it on the college level yet. Okay, okay. Well, that that being the case, I would probably go Najee just because Najee had seven receiving touchdowns last year. He set the school record for single season receiving touchdowns by a running back, which kind of puts a lot of qualifiers on a record, but it's a, it's a record all the same. Um, and Alabama is losing two wide receivers from last year. Uh, GD and Rub both drafted in the first round to the Broncos and the Raiders. So they're going to have some need for additional receiving help. Now they have good options at wide receiver. Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell are back. They got a grad transfer tight end out of the transfer portal and Carl Tucker from North Carolina. So they, they have some receiving options, but they could probably use a little more. And if you have a running back that can provide that threat and maybe have a, another six, seven receiving touchdown season like Nazi Harris had last year, that would probably do you some good. So just on the track record of receiving out of the backfield to date, I'll go Nazi Harris. But as, as runners in their careers, they're, they're more or less in, inseparable, in, in my opinion, which – says the world of Kylan Hill because if Najee Harris gets a full season and he does what he did last year, he ran for something like 1,200 last year. If Najee Harris does that again, he will break Derrick Henry's record for career rushing yards at, at Alabama. So putting putting Kylan Hill on, on that kind of a stratosphere is, is pretty impressive for, for both of them. Well, you were there in Tuscaloosa two years ago for Moorhead's first uh, trip over there. And defensively, State was really good that day. They just, you know, were let down by the offense. Off- defensively, this is not, you know, the same talent level, obviously, but they are going to, to run a scheme that puts a lot of pressure on quarterbacks. It's, it's tough to foresee, but this would be about the point in the year, you know, especially if it's only conference games, that they would make that decision. If I'm right and it's Bryce Young, could a, could an aggressive Mississippi State defense provide some some, some problems for him? Um, it's possible, but you're also going up against Bryce Young's mobility, which would, in theory, help with that. But a, a bigger a, a bigger factor in that would be Alabama's going to have one of the best offensive lines in yeah. the country this year. They're, they're returning four starters. They're returning Evan Neal, Landon Dickerson, a Florida State transfer, Deontay Brown, and Alex Leatherwood. They only lost Jedrick Wills, who went in the first round of the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Alex Leatherwood coming back was, was a pleasant, I want to call it a pleasant surprise for Alabama, but he could have reasonably gone to the NFL draft and maybe been a, a second or third round draft pick. Obviously, he wants to make a little more money on the front end than that, so he's coming back in hopes of being a, a first round pick. But this, this line is going to be really, really, really solid, and especially when you consider the fact that Evan Neal last year left guard could very easily transition out to a tackle position. So you're not necessarily putting someone green in the tackle position that you're you're losing and, and Jessica Wills Jr. going to the, to the Browns now. So, so while it does make all the sense in the world that Mississippi State could try to frazzle a newly placed freshman starting quarterback if it does end up working out that way, I think your your obstacle is more with the offensive line than it is with whatever – 
Bryce Young's uh, mental capacity is, if that does end up being the being the way this works out. I guess I'll ask you sort of the same question I asked Brooks Cabina when we talked to him last week about LSU and that, you know, Mississippi State 2017, you know, of course another game you were at covering for the Bulldogs there, had Alabama on the ropes and just couldn't deliver the knockout blow. Three years, you know, two years, two seasons later, they're just getting pushed all around the field by Alabama. You know, how much, you know, how much does Mike Leach and what he wants to do offensively give State the ability to compete and be play a competitive game against Alabama? You know that under Mullen, the only game he was ever really competitive with Alabama was his last one. Uh, can, can Mississippi State, you know, not beat Alabama? I don't think that's in the cards. But can they play this game within two touchdowns and keep it interesting for four quarters? This year might be might be challenging just because they haven't had the the full off season to really delve into the air raid like they would like to with spring practices and a preseason practice as it would normally be scheduled and, and everything else. So uh, this year might be a challenge, but for the foreseeable future, sure. I mean, it's it's a curveball. The air raid they they do things differently, and and while you could criticize certain aspects of of Mike Leach's uh, coaching tenure and when you go back to both Texas Tech and Washington State in terms of consistent success, you could certainly criticize him in that regard. He is also very capable of, when everything comes together, making something of it. He had that Michael Crabtree season at Texas Tech. He had the Gardner Minshew season at, at Washington State where when everything comes together with the roster, and you get the certain guys back, and, and just everything works out, he can capitalize that into a, a 10 or 11 win season. And if you're going to do that in the SEC, it, it more than likely means you're going to be either Alabama or LSU, if, if not both. So if he's there long enough for everything in the roster to coalesce and, and come together for one magical year, sure. It wouldn't be, uh, it wouldn't melt my mind to watch a Mike Leach coached Mississippi State team beat Alabama just because that kind of is Mike Leach's coaching track record, right? He's kind of flirting with that average to above average realm in, in the sport on a nationwide scale, and then everything comes together one year, and boom, they're top ten when November comes. And that's when, I mean, I guess in the new schedule configuration, now that the SEC has changed things around, that would be after Mississippi State plays Alabama since the game is in October this year and could be for the foreseeable future. My point there is, yes, maybe not this year, but in the future, sure, why not? We'll see. I, I'm looking forward to this. I was hoping this game would be played on the uh, the regular schedule because it's the third Saturday in October, and I just wanted to make jokes about that, you know, like why aren't they playing Tennessee? <laughs> but we'll, we'll just play it when we play it, and we'll, I think we'll all be happy to see each other at that point if it happens. Brett Hudson, you know, I would I normally I give the Twitter info, but they're already already following you, so, you know, what do I, what do I need to do that for? I mean, I like to hope so. All right. Good to talk to you, buddy. We'll talk to you again soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.